This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackbee.org. Well, welcome to the Richard Blackaby Leadership Podcast. My name is Sam, and I'm your host, and I'm joined by Dr. Richard Blackaby. Thanks, Sam. Good to be with you on your birthday. Well, what I'm a sacrifice. Yeah, recording Here in the office, working away. You know, it's uh, it's just how I am, I guess. So, <laughs> Maybe just did, at your age, you just forgot it was your birthday. Yeah, or, or I uh, don't want to remember that it's my birthday. <laughs> getting these, older. That these middle, many, many years. That um, middle age is getting closer year by year no i choose uh choose not to believe that it's just uh you know <laughs> i'm on the other side of middle age at this point so yeah it, well it you know it could always be worse <laughs> yeah that's right i'm here to remind you that <laughs> <laughs> well, I, well i appreciate that uh helping remind us young folks of how young we really are um well if you've uh, been listening to the podcast we've been doing a little series here you know, it uh, originally started as a, a two-parter, but mm-hmm. uh, as I suspected... Somebody got a little wordy there. <laughs> <laughs> long-winded, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, or just uh, there was so much richness that we yes. couldn't we couldn't The profundity overwhelmed us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we couldn't possibly uh, contain all of the, the great thoughts that you had That's on, uh, on the Beatitudes, to two measly episodes, so we've... Uh, <laughs> We've dragged this into uh, to more than two. I won't put a number on it, uh, so that we we won't don't, have don't to box yourself in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> I don't want to don't want to do that. So uh, we are on the uh, let's see, what is this? The fourth, fifth, fifth beatitude. Yep. Yeah. Crossing um, the halfway point. I know. Kind of like you at middle age. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now, that's too close to home. Let's just stick with uh, let's stick with the uh, the material in front of us uh, for this episode. But yeah, uh, yeah so, blessed are the merciful. Yeah, verse seven. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And this uh, this presents an interesting principle that uh, God does use with people, which we're not always uh, real excited about, and that is that God promises that the way you treat others will be the way he treats you. Yeah. Uh, now, we always view God as always doing the right thing, always blessing us, forgiving us, being gracious to us, being merciful to us. But uh, there are some times where God actually says, for instance, in the Lord's Prayer, he says, you know, forgive uh, me as I've forgiven others, basically. Um, and so God kind of ties... Uh, the forgiveness he shows us with the forgiveness we show others. And mercy seems to be one of those principles where he goes and says, um, if you are not a merciful person, don't expect me to show you mercy either. And so if there was ever a motivation for us to be the most merciful people on the planet, it ought to be because that's going to be the measure God uses uh, for us as well. And uh, sometimes I think mercy in our day, especially in the West, is something that I think uh, we're not always certain that we need. Uh, who needs mm. mercy? You know, I'm a, I've got a good job. I'm independent. Uh, I, I, I'm a nice person. I do the right things. Um, I, I, I could use some grace, but uh, mercy is a different thing. And of course, it's been said that uh, mercy withholds from you what you deserve and grace gives you what you don't deserve. And Mm -hmm. so we tend to want all the gifts from God that come from his grace. But I think the reason that we don't value mercy is because we don't realize just how much we need it. Mercy is what God shows us every time we deserve to be punished. 
uh, every time we deserve to be judged and disciplined, and God withholds his hand. God says, you deserve this, but I'm going to show you mercy. I wonder if, if mercy is maybe coming back into favor, though, with, uh, with our society, as I think, you know, the past few years we have uh, been a very merciless yeah. society, I think, in how we handle sort of quote-unquote sins of, you know, maybe not of the, in the church's eyes or in God's eyes, but sort of what the popular opinion of a given individual, uh, I think there's a lot of people yelling out for, for no mercy. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think this is a very relevant word for us today because you're exactly right. I think we live in a cancel culture that if you mess up, if you don't do the right thing, follow the popular line, uh, then you're going to be canceled. And there's times where it really just doesn't matter how sorry you can flagellate yourself and apologize and put out Twitter comments and admit that you were wrong. And yet there are those who still want to say, no, it's, that's not enough. Uh, you need to have your career ruined. You need to be shut down. You need to be taken off of social media. You need to lose your job. And uh, it, you're right. We're in many ways, we've become a very merciless society um, where one strike and you're out. And, yeah. uh, and I think that's why this, this message is so important because, um, because we are in a society that I think has not valued mercy enough. And Jesus basically said, uh, if you're, if you are not the kind of person that is quick to show mercy to others, uh, there is going to come a time in your life where you're going to need it. And, uh, and then it's not going to come to you either. And, uh, you know, I, I would just say that the, I think one of the reasons we don't believe we need mercy as much as we do is because we have way too high a view of ourselves. Mm-hmm. We tend to think other people, they mess up, they need mercy, but uh, I'm a pretty good person. Uh, God probably is quite happy to have me on his team. Uh, and yet, if we saw our life the way God does with his holy eyes, I think we'd realize we need mercy a lot more than we realize. And mm-hmm. uh, and if you don't have mercy, you're not going to be around to receive grace. Uh, so mercy always comes first. First, mm-hmm. God shows you mercy. And if he spares your life, if he, if he spares you the judgment that you deserve, now you're in a position to receive gifts that you don't deserve. So mercy always comes before grace. Uh, and so here it just says, uh, the measure in which you show mercy to others, uh, that's, that's what you're going to receive. And, uh, and, you know, I think as you kind of alluded to, uh, Sam, we, there's, we're, we're constantly being reminded of fallen leaders, uh, pastors that we find out have been involved in a sexual sin of some kind or a political leader, uh, business leaders. Um, and, there's always an outcry uh, and all kinds of people indignantly commenting on social media and maybe pushing to have people fired and to lose their office and so on. Um, and you and I are uh, regularly uh, seeing that. And, you know, it's there's a, there's a fine line, I find, in how to follow with that. Because, for instance, I've known some pastors that were wonderful pastors. They did lots of wonderful things. They were an encouragement to many people. And then it comes out that they did something morally wrong. And, uh, and sometimes there's almost this hue and cry immediately uh, to 
basically have that person's career, reputation, everything utterly destroyed. And, and I know that in part, the challenge is you, you don't want to look like you're approving what they did. You, mm. you, you know, you're, you, you don't want to, you think somehow if we're merciful, then that means that we don't think that what they did was wrong, that it was very bad, or we don't, somehow we don't, we're not sympathizing with the victims unless we just want to completely trash this guy out, leave him on a, a garbage heap somewhere and abandon him and say, that's what you get for being such a bad person. But I think uh, while mercy, of course, with God, God never shows mercy and then somehow condones the sin. Uh, mm. The reason you need mercy is because God knows full well just how bad your sin really is. So, right. so mercy never means that you condone what's happened. At mercy you, means you know full well that what this guy did is wrong and he deserves the full measure of the law to come down on him. But mercy steps in and says, no, a price has to be paid for sure, but I'm not going to ask that person to pay it. I'm not going to be the one that condemns that person. And uh, and I think perhaps we live in an age right now where there's there's a, it seems almost that there's a, a lot of pressure on people uh, that you can't show any mercy or else somehow you're, you're soft on sin or sexual abuse or whatever it might be, dishonesty. And, and I think Jesus is a great example of someone that never compromised on right and wrong and yet was very merciful. And of course, mm. he's the one person that never needed mercy from others. Uh, and yet he was merciful. And, and for instance, when the woman is caught in adultery and uh, these religious leaders say, well, let's just stone her. That's what the law says. Uh, and Jesus, of course, is the, the only person there who, had, who would have a right to say, uh, you know, that's wrong and, and let's, let's judge this person. And yet uh, they don't, he doesn't do that. He shows mercy and, uh, and he throws everybody else in kind of a bad light because uh, it, they all need mercy and, uh, and yet they, they've been unwilling to give it. Well, it's one of those interesting uh, passages in scripture that, um, you know, it, it would be conditional God's sort of attitude or his behavior towards us is conditional on, on, on our behavior. And I think that makes a lot of us uncomfortable. Yeah. And I think the reason it is, is because if you, if you're not showing mercy to others, then it, then it shows that you really are not very much aware of your own sin. If you knew how sinful you were, you would be merciful to others. And so mm. I think it's not that Jesus is just saying, all right, you were a jerk, so I'm going to be a jerk to you. Right, That's not right, what he's right. saying. I think what he's saying is the way that I know how repentant you are for your own shortcomings is by how uh, thoughtful you are toward other people who have shortcomings as well. And I think we've all seen those examples. Uh, there's been some classic ones over the years where for instance, maybe a, a television evangelist was uh, exposed and in, involved in some sexual immorality. And there were some other television evangelists that just condemned them and said they should be out of ministry and they, they should, they're a disgrace to the rest of us and so on. And, um, and they were very outspoken and self-righteous. And then within a month or two, those very people were exposed as having been involved in the same kind of activity. Mm. And, uh, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, you know, I, 
that's different or and and you realize well even while you were condemning that person you knew in your heart that you were committing the very same offense the very mm -hmm. same sin and so jesus just says when you know that you are a sinner when you know that you need mercy then when you see someone else uh, failing perhaps not in the same way as you but in another way uh, you're, you're never too quick to pick up those stones and start throwing them at others because yeah. you know full well you deserve the same treatment. And so I think Jesus says, that's how I know how repentant you are of your own shortcomings is by how much mercy you show to others. And that, there's just a humility. And, and maybe you're yeah. not sinning today, but we are all vulnerable uh, to that. We're all susceptible and, and uh, we all walk in danger of of sin uh committing sin and so i think there's just uh, for me again you're not con you're not condoning it but when you see someone else fail that ought to always just have a little check in your spirit to say but by the grace of god that could be me uh mm -hmm. and so i grieve over someone that uh succumbed to that temptation that uh, gave into that sin and god just helped me never to be that person as well well, let's take a quick break here and we'll look at the next Beatitude when we come back. Hello, I'm Richard Blackaby. I'm the co-author of Experiencing God. And here at the Blackaby Bible Institute, we're offering an online class of Experiencing God that people can take from around the world. No one had any idea back in 1990 when Experiencing God was first uh, published that it would be so life transforming and that uh, people would experience revival. They'd be set free from burdens they'd carried for years. I can't go anywhere in the world without people telling me how this material has changed their life. And so we offer it as the Blackabees, where we have all kinds of video resources, a live stream where you can submit live questions and uh, get answers from myself and others, and just many different resources that will enhance your experience of taking experiencing God. So I want to encourage you, if you've never taken the class before, or even if you have, the Blackaby Bible Institute will offer you more resources uh, than you could have gotten anywhere else. And so we look forward to studying with you, and we're praying that it will change your life as you do. Well, Richard, um, we're halfway through the Beatitudes here, mm -hmm. and uh, we've got a few more to go. Yeah. Uh, who knows, untold number of podcasts <laughs> uh, before we reach the end of the Beatitudes. Um, but why don't you take us on to, to verse 8 of uh, Matthew chapter 5. Yeah, there it says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And again, that's another one of those very interesting ones. Um, what, what does that mean, first of all, to be pure in heart? Um, of course, we know that that can't necessarily mean that you're sinless, that you're perfect, because our sin, uh, Jeremiah says that our, our, sin, our hearts are desperately wicked and, and uh, they lie to us all the time and our hearts are a battlefield. Our hearts are constantly needing to be weeded out because stuff gets into them. Thorns grow up in them and the next thing you know, our heart used to be tender toward God. Now it's become hardened. It's become distracted. And so I think to be pure in heart, to be pure means it's not, um, it's not mixed up with a bunch of other you know, bad stuff. It's, uh, mm. it's, it's not filled up with uh, the world, thoughts of the world, love of other things, uh, 
toying with sin. Uh, there's no impediments in your heart. There's no distractions. Uh, sin may creep into your heart now and then, but you, you're regularly weeding it out. And so to be pure in heart means you have a heart that's been well tended. It's been cared for. Um, and, you know, I know people that are meticulous gardeners that they care for their flower garden or their vegetable garden. Uh, but even the best gardeners are going to find weeds in there. Uh, yeah. and, and so it doesn't mean you're a bad person because a sin snuck into your heart somewhere. But as a good gardener, you're regularly weeding it out. And so you're just tending it. You're, you're keeping it up so that when you look over your garden, all you see are the vegetables or flowers that are supposed to be there. And any weeds that might have crept in from the side or blown in with the wind are, are discovered and dealt with. And so Jesus says, uh, and by the way, you don't just inherit a, a pure heart. Just because yeah. your mother had a pure heart doesn't mean you have one. Just because you go to church and your pastor has a great heart doesn't mean you do. It, it, nobody can tend your heart for you. Uh, to have a pure heart, it only comes from one source. And even, even God will not keep your heart pure for you. That's something that you're responsible for. And so, and, and I found that because your heart was pure last week doesn't mean it's pure this week. It's something that it doesn't take long for a heart to go bad. And uh, yeah, well, and I think there's some some popular songs that would suggest that uh, that, that God tends your heart and keeps it and that sort of thing and and uh that's that's not the case yeah now you know the spirit of god will he's watching your heart and he will he will alert you um but he won't weed out your heart you know he won't pull sins out of your heart yeah he'll convict you that something has crept in he'll draw your attention to it he'll point his finger at it and say sam right there look what's gotten into your heart what are you going to do about that but ultimately you've got to pull that weed you've right. got to address that sin and uh and, and the Spirit of God will do everything he can to make you uncomfortable about tolerating that sin. But, uh, but you ultimately are going to have to do something about it. And, uh, and then, but the reward is, it's kind of interesting, it says uh, that they will see God. And uh, you, know, you think to yourself, well, that's an interesting kind of reward, seeing God. But, uh, but you have to remember the context of this would be the Old Testament. And if you remember, there have been a number of places where uh, when people saw God, for instance, Isaiah, when he goes and has a vision in the temple of God on his throne, uh, it terrifies him. Of course, yeah. right away, it's woe is me. And why? Because his heart wasn't pure, uh, because he had sinful lips, it, sinful words were coming. You know, he was he was saying things he shouldn't. His heart wasn't right. And so when he does come face to face with God, it, it, it overwhelms him. He, all he can say is, woe is me, I think I'm going to die. I, I can't survive this. Uh, and so, and then remember Moses, he said, God, I just want to see your glory. Yeah. And of course, probably no saintlier guy on the planet than Moses. And yet God says, you can't see me and live. Moses, you might be the holiest guy on the planet, but, but you're still sinful and sinful people will die in my presence. Uh, only people that are completely pure in heart uh, can do that. And so, so for Jesus now to come in the New Testament, in the Gospels, and say, actually, there is a way for you to see God, would, would have been just profound, because all these uh, Jewish people would have known very, very well, you don't see God. In fact, yeah. you know, the, the, um, 
God's presence was considered to be in the in the temple in the Holy of Holies and only the high priest could even enter that room once a year and he was terrified to look around very much for fear that perhaps there was sin in his life and he might die he might be struck dead it, it was a terrifying thing to be in the presence of God and you would tend to avert your eyes. In fact, in the Bible, whenever an angel even shows up and someone, all he, they, they just look upon an angel. And of course, what's the first thing that the angel typically says is fear don't not, be you know, don't yeah. be afraid. You're not going to die. Uh, just looking on an angel. So when Jesus says, Hey, guess what? There is a way for you to be able to look on God and not die, not, not to be overwhelmed with fear. And that's if your heart's right. If it's pure, and imagine well, I, just the I, I, reward that that would be. Yeah, and I would think this is probably one of those uh, sayings or teachings of Jesus that they got him called a blasphemer. Yeah, because that that would, I mean, even I think even in today's context, that seems like, well, can, can anyone really be that pure? Like that seems like yeah. an impossible standard. Yeah, and uh, and these, I think we miss what that really means to have that kind of reward. For, for a Jew at this time, to, to think that you could gaze upon God himself and do that without dying would have just been the, the greatest reward they could have imagined. Yeah, uh, because, not even Moses was able to yeah. do that. And know. so for Jesus to say, now in the Gospels, because of what Jesus is doing, uh, the, the problem was that it was pretty well impossible to have a pure heart in the Old Testament because there was no Holy Spirit. There was no, uh, you know, the work of Jesus on the cross to, to forgive you of your sin and to, to make you a, uh, a new person, uh, to give you a new heart and a new mind uh, that was renewed. And so, you know, I, I think of people, um, and I, I guess the way that you might just apply this is, I've known people, especially people like my dad, that see God in places that others don't. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. there, there are some who go to church and all they see is the, the pastor preaching a sermon, but they don't see God. And there's other people that do a Bible reading each morning. They see the words on the page. They see the Bible in their hands, but they don't see God. And uh, other people see what the world is doing. They see what nations and, and world leaders are doing. But they don't see God at work anywhere around them. And and so my dad, you know, people used to say about my dad, they'd say, well, Henry, you just seem to see God working all around you, but I never do. Why is it that you seem to see God doing stuff and I ne- I, I don't? And at times people would say, you, Henry, you're just, you must be exaggerating. You must be just making this up. But the fact is that if you don't have a pure heart, if your heart's not right with God, God may be working all, all around you. He might be working in your kids, might be working in people that you work with, uh, working in the person sitting just down the pew from you at church, but, but you're missing it. You're not seeing it. And, uh, and it's amazing, once your heart gets right with God, uh, it, it's incredible how all of a sudden you begin to see God working all, all over the place. And so, you know, whenever someone says, well, I just am not seeing God doing anything in my world, in my life, in my family. There, there's various reasons why that can be so. But one of the first things you want to do is then say, well, but is my heart pure? Could it be that God is working? I'm just not seeing him. And so the key is, um, God, I, I, 
people my dad has said it this way if you if you're not seeing god at work you might not have a, a seeing problem you might have a heart problem hmm. and when your heart gets right suddenly your eyes become 2020 again spiritually uh and you begin to see things uh that you weren't it, it was always there it was always happening you just couldn't see it and I'll, I'll just tell you don't don't ever minimize don't ever uh treat lightly the incredible opportunity to see God, uh, because that is what eternal life really is. It's relating to God the Father mm. and God the Son, and uh, you, it's hard to relate to someone you never see. And uh, and so, of course, God is invisible, He's spirit, but there is a way to see God in a way that involves a, a close relationship where you're relating to Him because you know Him and you're experiencing Him, and that's. I think that's all kind of tied up with what it means to see. It means to experience, uh, to uh, interact with, uh, to know in a deep, intimate, experiential level. And and uh, Jesus said, if you keep your heart clean and pure, then you're going to experience God in ways that others will never experience. Yeah, well, I can think of uh, two, no two uh, better attributes for leaders to have is uh, to be merciful people and to be pure in heart. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I think it perhaps interesting putting those two together. Sometimes our problem is we've got our eyes on people too much, and yeah. we begin just to become consumed with the sins of others, and and so we we're not merciful because we're very much aware of all the sins in other people's lives, and so Jesus sort of flips that over and says, "Listen, just focus on the sin in your heart." get rid of all those and instead of seeing the shortcomings of everyone else you're going to start seeing god Mm. and so some people are experts at seeing other shortcomings and some people much fewer people are experts at seeing god and if you got to be an expert in something (laughs) yeah i think i'd say be an expert in seeing god yeah because it doesn't take you don't have to be an expert to to find the flaws in no, others. That, no. That's uh, that's pretty easy. So, well, thank you, Richard, again for uh, taking us through these uh, two beatitudes. And uh, until the next podcast, we'll leave it there. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, it really makes a difference if you leave a review and a five star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We always love hearing from our listeners. So email us at podcast at blackv.org.